Did you get that spike? Did you get that devil spike? I got that devil spike. Uh, felt kind of, kind of good, kind of surprising. Uh, wasn't too sure right? how. Oh man, it's like sparkle. It's all yeah, sparkly. Man, I mean, you really are like kind of, kind of going that South Park Satan sort of vibe. It's pretty good, man. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bon Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I was gonna say I'm here with my vampire boy, but hey, I turned on Skype, and uh, I'm sitting here talking to a little devil boy. It is... Phil, how's it going? Little Hellboy. <laughs> little Hellboy. <laughs> I am <laughs> I am evil. Phil. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm feeling, you know, Halloweeny. Halloweeny. I I've got my for the for for those without the benefit of uh being on this video chat with us at this moment, I am wearing a glittery devil outfit. Yep. Uh, with the horns. This is what the Patreon should be. It should be like a yeah. video version and we always dress up to make it worth it. So I have my horn, I have my bow tie, and I have my uh, trident. Yeah. Trident, pitchfork. Fork, it's pitch a pitchfork fork. when the devil does it. Yeah. And I've got a tail, um, which John couldn't see. I'm just holding in my hand, and it's very suggestive. <laughs> it's, it doesn't look like a tail, really. <laughs> it, yeah, not even a little bit. It looks like a, looks like a furry red arrow. Yeah. There sure. you go. That's the nicest sure. way I can put it. Yeah, sure. But um, I am... Devil Boy, live from hell, come the Halloween spooky <laughs> spectacular of the Podjell Cinecast, because I've just decided it's this episode. Yeah, well, I mean, it is the week of Halloween, so we are ready for us to be spooky on the podcast today. Spooky ooky. <laughs> spooky ooky today. We are taking it over. It's going to be wild, but uh, it's good to just be here. Phil, you've You've um, speaking of spooky. <laughs> you've possibly <laughs> have worked at the cinema now, so um, I have. How, how fearful were you, or was it all good, all good and safe? Because it's very safe at the cinema. It's very safe. Um, I was, I think, I was very vocal about my um, worries leading in, and I was surprised how quickly I felt comfortable and safe yeah. and like back to normal. Like halfway through the first shift, my first shift was like a fatty double. And we're running like half capacity, so a Saturday double feels like a Monday double. Like it's pretty <laughs> yeah. quiet. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a good way to eat in. But like halfway through, I was like, "Oh, I remember this. Like this feels all right. It's kind of weird, but like I've worked three or four days, and every time it gets a little bit better in terms of our station, and everyone falls into like their routine that only they do. So there's no, there's not much mingling. And you're constantly cleaning, literally every like down moment you're cleaning yeah and everybody's been really nice so far everybody following the rules like haven't i haven't experienced any problems and honestly like it's actually rubbing off on me like i've i was seeing it online but like literally every other person comes in and they're like oh my god i'm so happy you're you're reopened yeah i'm so happy you're back some people like i've been back five six times already and people were like just buying tickets, just buying membership more than I've seen in the past. People like wanted support, and it's just really nice. 
at the very least, they're happy we're open. Uh, like, I'm happy, but also, um, you know, after a few doubles in a row, I'm just like, oh, it just feels like work again. Yeah. It's back to normal in the best of ways. Like, I'm, I'd rather it be yeah, kind of boring yeah, sometimes yeah. than like, oh, shit, kind of scary. Um, it, feel, it feels kind of good to be there. It still feels like we're doing more than most places. And just, I mean, we have such a good program on at the moment. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to say, you know, hanging off of what Phil said, obviously I've been at home and working and stuff from home because we're just trying to limit the amount of people in the office and stuff uh, on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, it's been nice to see the support from everyone via social media because I'm on there a lot and I see like just so many people just saying really amazing things about their trips to the cinema and how safe they felt and uh, how happy they are that we're back and you know people buying memberships and tickets and merchandise so like it's incredible it's been really good to see that I know it's really tough right now for all cinemas and uh, it's nice that we're still able to be out there and people still are like looking to us as a as a place they want to go to in this weird time and uh, i'm glad that we're doing as safe as we can yeah hopefully it keeps on going so yeah thanks to everyone out there yeah thank you to everyone coming and since you're working from home john uh we're just using your deck to uh, eat dinner on yeah i heard about that and <laughs> <laughs> that caused a little bit of uh anxiety amongst uh our office crew a little bit <laughs> if we were in we were just like oh man all these people who aren't in our bubble are going to be up there eating <laughs> interfering in our I'd bubble fine. we clean Sorry, we're not we're we not going to really be in there so it's good for you guys i'm i'm glad you have a space to have your lunch now uh cuz everyone who doesn't know uh out there listening our common spaces in the cinema are absolutely tiny <laughs> The, I mean, you know, Comically tiny. you know, like how small the uh, common areas are for customers. But if those are tiny, just imagine how <laughs> tiny the staff areas. Are. <laughs> They're so small. <laughs> like yeah. when I go into the staff room, it's literally like Gandalf going into like, you know, uh, Bilbo Baggins house. Like it's it's so small that I have to like hunch over. <laughs> they can barely fit like one person, let alone like the three or four or five people that normally <laughs> occupy it. Yeah. And now only one person occupied that can occupy it. Like we break one at a time. Yeah. So there's no real mingling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of nice to have that whole space to yourself, even if yeah. it's like only a couple of feet. Yeah. But sometimes there are like a couple of people breaking at the same time. But it's like, a, nope. You you stay. No, I'll, I'll go up. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go. Up. go up. I'll, yeah. If it's not raining, I'll just eat outside. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah. to eat outside. That's no, good. It's good to get some yeah. fresh air and stuff as well. Anyway, because you can be inside all day. You have a mask on and stuff, and get some air. Exactly behind the plexiglass. Yeah, you know, banging <laughs> on the door like a goddamn new animal. <laughs> the new animal with that, you know, with popcorn. So. Yeah, you're not doing too bad, man. You got something. Not doing too bad. And I'm going to start dressing like this just to entertain myself at work. Everyone out there, obviously, you can uh, go to PrinceCharlesCinema.com. You can buy your tickets, keep supporting the cinema. You can get membership there. There's a tab that says membership at the top of the page. 10 pounds a year for membership, for uh, annual membership. And then there's uh, 60 pounds for a lifetime. That never expires. And uh, yeah, what a deal. 
because you save up to four pounds off of tickets and 15% off of all drinks and snacks at the bar and kiosk. Woo-woo. Also, I forgot to mention, several people, I think lockdown was good for us, come up to me and talk about how much they love the podcast. Really? Yeah, several people. Way too many people know who I am now, by the way. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, shit, nice. Phil. And I'm like, what? Who? Like, how do you know? And I was like, oh, from the podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, you listen to the podcast. That's so cool. Do you like it? And they're like, I love it. Uh, you know, like, I love this episode. Um, we had a regular come in and you're talking about Bill and Ted. No, you're referencing our episode. But I've oh, had it a few really times nice. and it's nice. I think I only had like that a couple of times before lockdown. And now yeah. I think it helped us. I think a lot yeah. of our regulars like really gravitated towards it to feel like, <laughs> you know, it felt like we were still open for a bit. Um, but that, that's been very nice. Make me feel yeah. you know, famous. That's, that's really nice. I, I'm, uh, I'm happy to hear that people are enjoying it and you're getting recognized in the cinema a little bit. Cause yeah, sometimes when I'm living here in, in my little, I don't know, like dreamland warehouse bedroom of <laughs> podcasting that's going on, like, especially in the last week, Jesus Christ, I've like recorded quite a few things back to back and. It's getting a bit silly, and we're trying to do some extra bonus stuff over there at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, you know, hey, uh, plug. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't I don't hear from people all the time, so it's nice to hear that people are, you know, enjoying the podcast. Hey, if you like it, hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can uh, pop us an email at podcastprincecharlescinema.com. Just say hi. Let us know uh, that you enjoy it. I like hearing from you guys, so if you want to shout out to us, please do. Oh, Phil. Oh, my word. We are in our final week. We are in our final week of October. So that means we're in our final week of highlighting important pieces of black cinema to us uh, in honor of Black History Month here in the UK. So each week we've been going through. You can go back to the last few episodes. It's always sort of towards the top half of the episode where Phil and I are just giving out our picks. I'll go first because I've been going last a lot. So I'll let you main event this time. I, I said that I would I would give a Ava DuVernay pick uh, eventually, and uh, this week my pick. It's not a film, but hey, who cares? I'm breaking the rules. It's my podcast, <laughs> but it's a it's a mini series from Ava DuVernay called uh, When They See Us. Oh man, I really want to watch this. Yeah, it's available on Netflix. It's really good. Uh, it's about the Central Park Five case where the five young boys who are uh, falsely accused of rape and assault of a woman in Central Park in 1989. And uh, four of them, who were the youngest, spent between six to seven years locked up in a juvenile pr- uh, prison. And then the oldest was 16 years old. And he his name was Corey Wise, and he was tried as an adult and spent like 13 years in adult prison, starting at the age of 16. It's like... Oh, like it's really it's really like just a hard it's a hard watch it's it's mm. really good really really good it's like i think four parts it mixes like real nudes footage with like dramatizations of uh the events that happened and stuff and the kid who plays Corey wise Jarrell jerome is like absolutely phenomenal so feel like you if you've not seen it you got to go out of way your way to watch it it's so good he is amazing he won an Emmy, I believe. So, like, deservedly so, because cool. he's so good. He's the only one of the kids as well who plays himself, like, plays the kid from 
being uh, the kid who gets picked up with all the other kids uh, in New York at, at the time when that happens to being the adult version, whereas most of the other kids just play the kid version. And then there's like an, an older actor the playing the, the mm-hmm. grown up, but he plays the role all the way through and he's so good, man, like so good. Uh, and also, of course, you know, it's <laughs> it uh, it has some of that stuff, you know, with the uh, old orange man <laughs> being an asshole. I was going to say, aren't the, um, the, the exonerated five, aren't they the guy that he like called for like the, their execution, essentially? Yeah, he basically wrote like a, a, a letter to the editor or something like that. Or, or like put it took an like ad an ad out in a page. It took an ad out basically know. saying they should be executed. What a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out it wasn't them. It was never exactly. them. There's, a, there's, I think you know, there's that element. If you're, if you've not seen it, um, the, you got to remember this is like a real story as well. It's based on a real story, and uh, it's it's very similar, like to some of the the problems that are brought up in uh, making a murderer with like just uh, kind of coercing like a child, um, like without, the West like, Memphis Three. Sort of yeah yeah also west memphis 3 as well yeah sure um like basically talking to children who don't have like legal representation and just kind of coercing them into sure. like admitting something that they haven't done like false confessions and stuff it's really like a really interesting eye-opening sort of thing to watch and ava DuVernay is like brilliant yeah she's really good so that's my pick this week phil what's your pick this week that was a really good pick and that's something i've been meaning to watch um, for a while, um, I'm also gonna. This is, this is the last one, right? Yeah, will be last the last one. Week. No, I'm gonna cheat as well. I'm gonna do <laughs> two. I'm gonna do two picks, and neither are a movie. Okay. Um, one. I hope my devil outfit isn't undermining anything I'm saying. Um, one. Uh, it's also a theory. Um, again, I'm late to the party on this, but I think it's I think it's integral viewing right now, um, and it, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad it comes from a strange um, corner of pop culture for it to happen. But uh, Watchmen, have you seen Watchmen? The theory? Uh, I've not seen it yet. I've heard a lot about it. Like, um, oh, man. I've heard a lot of you good things about it. it, especially like kids dealings with like race relations and all that sort of stuff. Exactly, and like it. Just an amazing watch. Like I thought I finally sat down over lockdown and watched it. And I'm surprised it took me so long because I'm a fan of the movie. I'm a lot, I love the book. Mm-hmm. book is one of my favorite books ever. And I was very wary about what this, how it was going to continue that story. And I needn't be worried, nor is that why I enjoyed it. If anything, I enjoyed it. If anything, outside of the like legacy characters and storylines they're dealing with and just the idea of like, okay, what was the most like what was the thing America was dealing with in the eighties? It was the nuclear arms race. And like what is that now? And it's braced. It's yes. raced in America. Yeah. It's America like battling with its own history and a racist country. And to tell like a really powerful story of I mean it centers around this woman, um, Regina King, and she's amazing in it, but it, it becomes so much bigger than her, it becomes her about her family and ancestry and like and then it ties into the whole Watchmen canon and just I don't want to say anything because I didn't know anything about it. And the first three episodes is a lot of like 
I mean, it's Damon Lindelof who did like Lost and stuff. So it's a lot of like set up, a lot of yes. mystery box thing. But it's like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? And then halfway through, you really start getting on them. And then after that, it's some of the best television I've ever seen. And I would just, I'd really recommend it. You'll understand once you watch it why I recommended it. I think at the very least, it opened how many people's eyes to like the Tulsa 21 massacre, um, mm. which, and Juneteenth, and a lot of these things yeah. that now I've been seeing in the public consciousness and the conversation and appearing in other shows and movies. Um, but it's just great. It's a great movie. It's a great show to watch and to talk about. Um, and the other one, well, I thought this would be a good pick. It, it was my birthday recently, and my brother got me some stuff to do with this guy. But I'm going to say uh, Richard Pryor, live in concert. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Good just, I thought, it was like, why not throw in some comedy? Why not throw in some comedy if you haven't seen it from arguably the greatest comedian to ever live, Richard Pryor? And, like, if you want to know about black experience, through a completely a very unique and funny and ultimately quite sad portrait, that would be the show to watch live in content. If him at hit the top of his game, him telling incredible stories that, like, if you remove the jokes, would be quite like you know um, traumatic. But he imbued everything with such humor, both smart and like lowbrow, and it's just so so funny and so interesting, and it feels like you've just got to sit down and talk with this guy and you feel like you really learned from him. And hopefully if you haven't seen any at the gateway to Richard Pryor, all his specials are worth seeing. But like, you know, Richard Pryor especially grew up in like Peoria and like in a brothel, like from a broken family, went through drug addiction and heart attacks and multiple wives. and like, Setting himself on fire. Setting himself <laughs> on fire. Like those stories that you nobody else would tell those stories about themselves yeah. like that and it's um, it's amazing some of the best stand-up and comedy art you'll ever see hopefully hopefully you agree with that but i mean everyone should watch the richard Pryor and yeah if, and like especially for black history month you should know about him and his work um so those are my picks nice uh, that's good. And like Richard Pryor is an absolute legend. Mm. I still need to check out Watchmen. I've been kind of meaning to. Um, I'm, I was never like a big fan of the film. I think you and I have talked about that before. But uh, you don't need to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I heard I've heard like from plenty of people who didn't like the film at all that like this is so different and it's like you know really good. So those are good shouts. I kind of want to give shout outs to. Uh, a couple of fun things, like uh, just a few like honorable mentions sort of things. Uh, these mm-hmm. are some things I've probably talked about on the podcast before, like my love for Friday. I absolutely love Friday. Of course. Cool. Uh, and how high. Damn. <laughs> how high. So, you know, one. two two fun stoner films. Uh, I've talked about numerous times Spike Lee's Crooklyn. Absolutely love mm-hmm. that film. I feel like it's a must-see. And then also a uh, shout-out to It's Halloween Time, Jordan Pill us like i, I know i said like get out i love it get out is great but us i just feel like man that dude really nailed something with like classic horror like just uh mm-hmm. like whereas get out is more of like a social commentary sort of horror modern like about the realities yeah of 
the world. Obviously, there's some of that social commentary in us, but us just feels so old school horror. So those are like a few just shout outs for uh, Black History Month there. It's been fun doing this. This was really nice to go through each mm. week and kind of give out these shouts and stuff. And hopefully people out there have a few picks that you've not seen yet and you want to check out. And uh, if you have any favorites, feel free to hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter or you can pop us an email at podcastprincecharlescinema.com. Tell us what some of your favorites are. Um, or if you like any of the films that we mentioned or TV shows, whatever. And uh, yeah, maybe we can give some shout outs of what you guys said next week or the week after. Speaking of next week, how about let's get into what's going on at the PCC from the week of Friday, the 30th of October. All right, Phil, we got a busy week, man. Okay, just, I'm taking off my bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> Phil is literally wearing like a little bow tie, um, <sighs> choking himself. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll yeah. rock the horns and the the pitchfork. Um, yeah, don't yeah. do anything. All right, well, so from Friday we have the new quirky crime comedy coming to us from Miranda July, Cajillionaire, starring Evan Rachel Wood, Richard Jenkins. Hey, I. Wanted to be a dinosaur. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You could never be a dinosaur. You're different fish. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez and Deborah Winger. Uh, it follows like an assistant con artist couple who are Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger, who have a young daughter they're raising, who's played by Evan Rachel Wood, in their scamming ways and a desperate and hastily planned heist. They charm a stranger into joining their next scam. And that just sort of flips their whole life upside down as she starts to. It's Gina Rodriguez, and she starts to interact a little bit more with Evan Rachel Wood and kind of helping her see, like, hey, there's a different world out there. It's apparently really good. Uh, I've not seen it yet, but uh, it was originally kind of released a part of, like, the BFI London Film Festival, and it's gotten some really good buzz from all the people who have seen it. And it plays here for the full week from Friday. So tickets are available at PrinceCharlesCinema.com if you want to see Kajillionaire. Of course, Phil, it is Halloween week. We've been saying that. There's a lot going on. There's a few big shows this week that are unfortunately sold out, like Scream 1 and 2 double feature. There was also Oof. a Scream single performance that sold out. There was A Nightmare on Elm Street on Friday. That sold out. A lot of stuff like on Halloween night as well. Pretty much just everything sold out. So like I said last week, that's great for us, but it sucks for you guys out there. But there are a lot of good things that are still going on. For instance, like, hey, you can't make it out to Halloween or or you've already got your tickets to Halloween, but you or you've I don't know what you're doing at home, whatever. You're having having a fun time on Halloween. I know that's sort of a thing we're gonna try. They're gonna try to tell us that Halloween is canceled, but hey, you can still have fun at home. You can still play trick or treat in your own house. I don't know, maybe hide some candy around the house and see if you find it. Pretend, I don't know, like an egg hunt East, thing. Easter sort of take over Halloween. I don't know how it works. Whatever you want to do. Halloween and then you're hot. You know? Absolutely. Dress up. Be merry. Post a I'm picture on, on Facebook or whatever. I don't know. You think I'm dressing up as a devil for my health? Yeah. Scare Zuckerberg. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can come to the Prince Charles Cinema the next day. Have a Halloween hangover on Sunday, the 1st of November. <laughs> Edgar Wright's zombie comedy classic, Shaun of the Dead. Is from 
35 millimeter. Still some tickets left for that, so you should come out. And we also have a few tickets left for Jaws on the same night. Holy cow. Go back and listen to our Jaws episode. Jaws is great, and Jaws did forget. That totally could totally fit into the, I know it's more of a July the 4th thing, but that's a horror movie. It's a straight-up oh, horror yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. could totally watch it. On Definitely. Halloween. Definitely. Yeah. So Monday we begin our tenant screenings from seventy millimeter. Ooh, oh, it's happening! My. It finally happened. We might have to actually talk about it, John. We might have to yeah. watch it. <laughs> Did you ever see it? No, I never saw it. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> uh, just never got around to it. Um, yeah. Also Monday night we've got Tammy and the T Rex returning. Now we talked about it a little bit last year when that kind of popped into our program. Uh, the cut. <laughs> It looks. I still don't understand what the fuck I, this movie. Is. Yeah, I've still not seen it myself. I, I've been meaning to to catch it, and I was really stoked for it last time we were showing it. And I know some of the listeners out there did get to catch it, and they said it's absurd. And I know there's some <laughs> other listeners who maybe not have seen it yet, but are going to this screening. So you'll have to let us know how it is. Uh, I am going to try to find some time in my schedule to put that in as something to watch someday soon. Uh, also Tuesday. It's election day in America. No, I've already done my my patriotic duty. That you voted. That's not that's not going to the the fucking pub, ladies and gentlemen. I I <laughs> I, 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 I voted. <laughs> I put in my postal vote, but it is election day, and that means we have to have a patriotic movie about a good boy who's going to Washington. It's Mr. Smith going to Washington. Our boy James Stewart. Hey, you know, before we Whoa. get to Christmas time, we know it's coming. Oh, Clarence, Clarence, Clarence. You know, before we get there, we got to go to Washington, you know. So Mr. Smith goes to Washington's playing on Tuesday. Uh, there's still some tickets left for that. And there's also a handful of tickets to mm, Goodfellas on 35 millimeter. 30 anniversary. Holy cow. We have a Goodfellas episode that we did. did that too. Lockdown. You can go check that out as well. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday we have one of my picks from our previous couple weeks when we were talking about Black History Month Boys in the Hood is screening on 35mm yeah. also holy Batman the Animated Series Batman oh. Mask of the Phantasm is screening on Wednesday low key one of the best yeah low key one of the best Batman films if you can't make it out to that we do have an additional screening that added to Batman Day on December the twenty eighth, where we're talking. I mean, we're gonna have all, all the Batman's. No, Come to really. Batman Day. I'm just joking. We're gonna have Batman Mask of Phantasm, and then the the Nolan Batman films. I'm gonna take the day off. I'm gonna take the day off and just come in and watch all these movies. Yeah, some <laughs> that good shit. Like an amazing thing day. Yeah, some good shit. Maybe we'll talk about Batman, the Nolan Batman's. Uh, maybe we should do a Batman maybe. episode. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, just putting it out there in the ether. Uh, and also on Wednesday, we have a screening of Apocalypse Now in the Final Cut, but again, also sold out. So why am I telling you? I don't know. Maybe a ticket will appear. I'm just putting that in the ether as well. Maybe you're one of the people who have a ticket. So yeah. Maybe you need a reminder. You, you just, you just want to feel <laughs> good about yourself, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> and Thursday, remember, remember the 5th of November. Remember, remember our PCC tradition. V for Vendetta on 35 millimeter. My boy. Burn it down. Burn it Talking down. Talking about Watchman Alan Moore, FIFA Vendetta. Yeah. Let's make it a double. <laughs> yeah, and if you you know don't get a ticket, just look out your window because that's pretty much what's going on <laughs> right now. <laughs> what are you doing on the fifth of November? 
If you want a little bit something a little bit more lighthearted, we got Yasuhiro uh, Ozu's Tokyo Story screening on Thursday as well. So that's a lot of what's going on this week. But hey, that's not even it. There's two huge big films that we're going to talk about for the rest of this episode. Headline in the week, screening <laughs> all week long from Friday. First, we got William Freakin's 1973 Supernatural Masterpiece, The Exorcist. Phil, what's your, I mean, come on, like a very quick hot takes out the gate for The Exorcist. I mean, what do we got to say about this? I mean, I already called it a masterpiece. I know I was throwing that out last week, but I still think it stands for this one. It works. I've only seen a couple times, but like I was try again it was it was, i went through a phase where i was like you know what i haven't seen enough horror movies and i watched every horror movie <laughs> like every big classic yeah. horror movie uh when i was like in college um and i did the exodus and i was like holy shit that's way better than i thought it was still genuinely really creepy it's like one of those movies that like sort of get it gets into your bones like yeah cold and it, you breathe it in and it's there Absolutely. And it's like and it you know, I don't believe in like exorcisms and possessions and stuff, but it's a pretty believable like version of yeah. thing. And it has one of my favorite endings. And like the two horror movies I say that about, Friday the 13th has an amazing ending. But Exodus for some reason, it's so, it's the perfect level of like satisfying and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> the ending to the Exodus. Yeah. 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 Um, it's great. Um, and I remember uh, we had, I mean, before this happened, William Friedkin came in not too long ago to yep. talk about the Um mm-hmm. Or he did the, uh, we he talked to him over Skype. Skype Q&A, yeah. yeah and that he was came in for uh, To Live and uh, Die. To Live and Die in LA, yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah, he <laughs> sat there with Wang Chung. Um, <laughs> uh, but I can, and that made me appreciate it more, just like him trying to get it made and not really considering it horror, like coming at it from that sort of thing. It's like, you know, um, just interesting take on the whole genre. It's very unique in that genre. It doesn't really um, feel like anything else around it but there yeah. are so many imitated of the i mean there's Absolutely. like five excellent yeah. movies yeah and none of them are like the original yeah i mean like it is one of the scariest movies ever made i mean uh, like i often think about like just stories of like this is like you know I, I love that this kind of like seeped into my my ideas about this film but like when my parents saw this film they tell me and this is before they even met each other but when they tell me like oh when i when we went to go see this film in the cinema, like it was just so scary. My dad mm. said that like there was a really horrible thunderstorm going on. Like, and it <laughs> was like, he said it was like a cue that was going out from the theater. Like, you know, and you just couldn't get in. It took, you know, it took ages to get tickets and stuff. It was just like proper, like people going out to see this film. And he said it was just packed. And he said like, there was this bad thunderstorm going on. And then like he gets inside and it's just during the middle of the film. And then the power went out. <laughs> it's like, it's oh like God, terrifying. that freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, re- I remember seeing it for the first time. Cause I kind of remember like, I remember seeing it a few times as a kid. And like I've said on this podcast a few times that I've seen, I've seen a lot of films way too young. 
And <laughs> yeah. this one somehow like sort of eluded me a little bit. Like I, I saw images of it, like some of the some of the scenes and it kind of creeped me out as a kid. But it was I don't know if my parents were like really smart about sort of protecting me from seeing it or something, because mm. there were a few things I wasn't really allowed to see. Like my mom was like pretty adamant that I didn't see Pulp Fiction when I was a kid. <laughs> and I saw that when I was like about maybe 12 or 13 and that was like that was fine at that point but like when i was a little kid i'm like five or six years old watching like child's play films that's fine but i <laughs> not fine. i don't know but anyway, <laughs> they're playful yeah. it's real <laughs> yeah the exorcist was a, a a really weird one and i remember seeing it finally when i was like a little bit older maybe 11 or 12 and it was I was too young. <laughs> it scared the shit out of me. Like the the crucifix. I think any age is still too young. It yeah. fucked with me. We my my sister and I just immediately turned it off, and it was really funny because this morning I saw my sister like post a gif. It was uh, like a quote retweet that said like, "What was one film you saw when you were way too young?" And that it was one. The Exorcist, and I was just like I vividly remember because my dad was like passed out. He fell asleep when we were watching it, and. We were watching it alone practically because my dad was just out. And <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> nope, not so doing scary. this again. But yeah, no, in like in recent years, obviously seeing it as an adult and stuff, you just grow to appreciate just like how well it's made and stuff. Um, it's adapted from William Peter Bla- Blatley's uh, 1971 novel based on the real life 1949 exorcism of a young boy, often known by the pseudonym Roland Doe who was said to have become possessed after playing with it a Ouija board. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> oh boy. Uh, always the gateway, isn't it, Phil? To just be Ouija playing board. with Ouija boards. You just need to stop playing with Ouija boards, ladies and gentlemen. You can prevent a lot of bad things from happening if you believe in that sort of thing. Um, I Actually, that's the funny thing because you kind of said something. You don't believe in possessions and all that. And I, like, I myself am not religious at all and don't know how I feel about uh, even just dark energies or evil energies and blah, blah, blah. Um, but something about this film makes you just terrified. <laughs> something like Legit, the devil. Dude. It's so yeah, crazy. Like, like, I mean, like it, it attacked like the most insecure part of me, you know, cause I'm like, I'm yeah. not religious neither, but like I grew up yeah. Catholic. So that shit is still like ingrained in my head. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, I feel like, like at uni, I made a movie about, I made a documentary about a ghost hunter, a mm. woman who like spoke to spirit. And I followed her for like a few weeks and I did seances with her and her group and Ouija board. And I did loads of shit yeah. and I didn't experience anything there. I mean, creepy shit happened, but nothing enough to like make a believer out of me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I watched the exodus and I'm like, fucking, you don't want to fuck with the devil, man. Like, stay away from that shit. They got to fuck yeah. out of here. Like that and like like Constantine as well. It's the same yeah. type of thing. Like the opening to Constantine and like, it gives me exodus vibe. It really freaks me <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, I remember that being pretty creepy when we were talking about it like last year. I remember like watching it was like jesus christ (laughs) uh yeah no i mean like i i obviously like was growing up in the south and like while my family wasn't like really that religious uh i was obviously like around a lot of very religious southern baptist people or like evangelists and stuff (laughs) like you know i was (laughs) dragged along to like church and all that sort of stuff so it's very much like plays on my mind a lot uh much like roland doe though the little boy who was supposedly possessed by the devil 
Uh, the film stars a young Linda Blair as Reagan McNeil, who becomes possessed by the demon Pazuzu after playing with the Ouija board. And <laughs> her actress mother, Chris McNeil, played by Ellen Bernstein, enlists in the help of Father Karras, played by Jason Miller, and Father Marin, the late great Max von Sydow, who passed away earlier this year. Oh, yeah, man. He's so good enough. They were enlisted uh, from Chris McNeil to help perform an exorcism on the little girl, Reagan. Uh, w- William Peter Blatty sold the rights to the novel and worked out a deal so that he could become one of the film's producers, So, <laughs> which is pretty smart because he mm. had his hand right in there. And the studio had Arthur Penn, Peter Bogdanovich. You got it. <laughs> Mike Nichols, and even Stanley Kubrick shortlisted wow. to direct before they hired Mark Rydell. And it was uh, Blady, though, that only had eyes for William Freakin. And he saw his work on the French Connection, and he thought, like, oh, like I, I want this to be sort of that, like, sort of gritty vibe like the French Visceral Connection has. Feel. Yeah, so sure. he, st- he stood works. his ground, and he won. And that's how uh, Freakin came aboard. Before Linda Blair got the role of Reagan, though, Denise Nickerson, who played Violet Beauregard, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was considered. <laughs> wow. The range. Yeah. Her parents <laughs> saw the script and they were pretty troubled by it and they pulled her from shortlisting. So I guess it's, o- it's okay to be a prideful yeah. asshole, but not demonically possessed. It's so. okay to turn into a large... Wait, which one is that? Is she the yeah, one that turns into a blueberry? blueberry? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fine. But like, yeah. oh, fucking, you know shoving a crucifix you know up yeah. your mouth doesn't pff, fucking yeah god people are so turning weird. your head around you know projectile yeah. vomiting pea soup what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's, it's not fine. good climbing up on the wall all right <laughs> walking down the stairs backwards ah! dude that that's not right yeah no nah, nah, that's not right it's really freaky <laughs> Linda Blair's mother, however, though, loved the script and she was actually responsible for bringing Linda to the casting as her agents actually didn't really consider it. They were just kind of like, eh. Linda Blair's mother was like, let's get in there. Hey, and it was smart. Uh, to get the horrible demonic voice of Reagan, uh, some pig squills were mixed in for some of those growls that you hear, but also the Mercedes McCambridge whom was dubbed the world's greatest radio actress by Orson Welles, was hired and provided the voice. She got that classic voice that she did with the help of chain smoking, drinking drinking a lot of whiskey, and a diet of raw eggs. And she originally didn't want to be credited for the role, uh, so she, she wouldn't take away from Linda Blair's performance. But then for some reason, she just changed her mind last minute and threatened legal action to be added to the credits. <laughs> Sounds pretty hilarious. That's funny. Apparently, Marlon Brando was considered to play Father Marin. That would go to that. Max von Sydow. But like freaking was like, nope, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, he was like, I, as soon as you get Brando in a film, it just becomes a Brando picture. So I yeah, think we're going to find him in the jungle somewhere <laughs> doing a monologue about like heaven and hell. i mean that would be pretty sick though it's weird this film is amazing how like i mean reagan like properly is killing people she's like doing a lot of crazy shit but this film has that amazing balance of like 
being boring but still being really fucking interesting you know what i mean like <laughs> oh yeah there's a, a lot of weird sure. boring scenes in the film like especially like when it opens and i don't know it, it's like mm. certainly when you see it early as well like if you see it like later as an adult you might enjoy some of that that story element to it like Tension finding the statue of pazuzu and blah 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 <laughs> yeah i would yeah i would yeah. block that stuff out yeah <laughs> Like in my head, the whole movie takes place in her bedroom. <laughs> yeah, the film was the first horror movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Wow! It didn't win. It didn't win, unfortunately, because the Academy doesn't really like horror films that much. Yeah, but Phil, many quiz. What was the first horror film to finally win the coveted Best Picture, the Oscars, in the year nineteen ninety one? Ninety one. Hmm. Can you give me a clue? I like a Chicago. Ah, oh, Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> yeah, Silence of the Lamb. All right, yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. cool. Oh, I, I didn't. Oh, I didn't know that one best picture. I mean, that's a fucking good one as well. Yeah, that's a really good movie. Our boy Jonathan Demi. Here we go. Demi represent. Here we go. See, why can't Demi show up on the podcast all the time? I mean, it's always fucking Brian De Palma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> well we're wrapping up here on the exorcist before we move on but hey one cool thing about the exorcist or maybe it's not very cool is that it is a cursed movie so there's a lot of stories that come out over the years about exorcist <laughs> being a cursed picture as told by the cast and crew who had to live through it particularly one of the big things was the set caught on fire while they were filming and <gasps> yeah devil william devil freaking had said that uh it was like possibly due to pigeons or whatever that's kind of like what he said uh they came in and like attacked some wiring and stuff but the weirdest thing about it was that it caught fire destroying what was supposed to be the mcneil's home where reagan and her mother chris lived but it left reagan's room completely untouched mind you this is where all the crazy exorcism shit's going on and that room did not burn down. Weird, creepy. Another thing that happened was Ellen Bernstein like was injured during a take when Reagan throws her to the ground when she's all like, you know, possessed and crazy and she throws her. And that injury apparently like lasted like just is still like had bothered her like to this day, basically. Like uh something that she never really got over. Uh, there was a few deaths that were linked to the film, just like just people who were there was a couple of actors that were in the film who strangely enough died like in the film and then they died in real life after the film was made. A few people who were attached to some of the cast and the crew as well had had passed away. So it's kind of weird. And also televangelist Billy Graham believed that screening it through a projector was an imitation for possession. Take that for what you will. Not the Billy Graham, not the wrestler, right? <laughs> yeah, not not the not the cool Billy. I mean, I don't know if he's cool either. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's one of the super Christian ones. Like everyone is, like every wrestler yeah. of a certain generation. Like if you ever tried yeah. to read like a biography by one of those people, uh, halfway <laughs> yeah. through, always like in, invariably halfway through, they find Jesus, and it gets yeah. really fucking boring. Yeah, and it, that's explains like how they're just a, a much better person now. <laughs> yeah, Whatever, exactly. You know. It doesn't matter what they did before. It doesn't matter who they <laughs> killed. <laughs> well, The Exorcist is showing from the extended cut on 35mm all week long from Friday. Get your tickets at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Check it out. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure it's screening on Halloween night, but I think that is sold out. But it is showing around the week, so be sure to get your tickets. Also, screening daily from Friday in our film and focus this week. Hey, we talked about it a little bit last year, but hey, we're going to talk about it again this year. We're going to do it again. A little bit longer this time. It is, what is it, Phil? It's the last point. (laughs) Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. So where are you? The flying nun? I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! What's happening to me, Star? Get yourself a good, sharp stick. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael, they're coming! Oh, shit! Teenage Brothers, Michael, played by Jason Patrick, and Sam, played by Corey Haim, move with their mother, Diane Weist, to a small town in Northern California, while the younger Sam meets a pair of kindred spirits and geeky comic book nerds. I mean, they're not really geeky. They're just fucking weird. They're actually uh, really Edward, tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Edward, played by Corey Feldman, and Alan, played by Jameson Newlander, the Frog Brothers. The <laughs> angst-ridden Michael soon falls for Star, played by Jamie Gertz, who's awesome, and turns out to be in thrall of David Kiefer Sutherland, leader of the local gang of vampires. <laughs> you know, you know, every town's got one. Huh. Another gang tale. <laughs> Sam and his new friends must save Michael and Star from the undead. <laughs> <laughs> It's the 1987 vampire horror comedy from the late great Joel Schumacher. Hot takes out the gate, Phil. Where are we going? Where are we going? What's your takes? Where are we going? Where are we going with it? I know. I'm talking to. I'm talking. We were talking about this at work, and I felt like, you know, yes, the late great Joel Schumacher. I'm so glad we get to talk about him again. I love The Lost Mm -hmm. Boy. I think it's a Mm -hmm. great movie i think it's one of those like it, it hit that tone perfectly for me in terms of like a horror movie that i like that like can scare me but like don't take themselves that seriously yeah and it's like it's so 80 in the best way the fucking soundtrack like cry little sister it's fucking a banger <laughs> so like good. i'll hear nothing else it's like it's still like in our circle at the cinema because like we were saying before, we have people who dress like the fucking characters yeah. <laughs> on the daily. Um, Lost Boy is like big in our circle, and there's a danger of it becoming overrated. But I love it. Every time I watch it, I enjoy it. Like it, I think it, I, Lost Boy is great. I think it, I yeah. mean spoilers maybe for a little bit later. I think it's my favorite vampire movie. Ooh, um, right. Just because it's the most it's the most fun I've had with that idea 
of vampires and like just yes. a small America town of the kid moving there. You get two different aspects of it, like Jason Patrick, you know, famously from B2, Crude Control. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the two Corey, but like you get the, the kid point of view and the older teenage, like I related to, like as a kid, I related to it being the younger brother. And then I relate to the older brother trying to get in with the cool guy and then like going a little too far, you yeah. know, like, yeah, hanging yeah, yeah. Out, like hanging from train tracks and shit. It's great. It's so fucking weird yeah. and out there and cool. No, Lost Boys is like a, yeah. just a cool movie, you know? It is. Not really yeah. a hot take, sorry. It's no, cool. no. It's cool. I think most people like it. What do you think? Well, if you want a hot take, I'll give you a hot take right here. All right. So I think The Lost Boys is one of these weird films that like it has no right to be, but it sort of works <laughs> its way into being sort of a perfect film. Like... All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a very weird way. You. Because it like, it just, everything about it, it's just like aesthetically, like when watching it, it is so fucking cool. And like, <laughs> but at the same time, it is so fucking cheesy and weird and hilarious and wacky and homoerotic. Mm. And like, there's so many in amazing all the best ways. Yeah. In all the best ways. And so many ways that like, it sort of comes together and it's just like, creates this weird thing that should not be so fucking enjoyable but when it comes together and all those parts work together it just ends up being like absolutely perfect <laughs> i think just, you're right yeah it's it shouldn't be as good to the end but i think it's bringing all those weird elements together that make it yeah. so cool and just so, so unique cool. yeah <laughs> i love it from top to bottom, the, the soundtrack's amazing. The the actors are all like just equally awesome. Everyone looks cool as shit. The story's fucking fun. Yeah. So the the initial script was written by Janice Fisher and James Jeremias, and it was bought by Producer Cell's organization for four hundred thousand dollars. And these were brand new to the business sort of people. So it makes me think I need to start writing a little bit. Uh, <laughs> right. Get that money. Later, Warner Brothers joined and took over to distribute the film. The film's title, of course, is a reference to the Lost Boys and J.M. Barry's Peter Pan, who, like vampires, never grow old. We did that um, episode. We did a hook yeah, episode. We did a hook episode. We were talking all about this stuff. And the film, <laughs> the film was originally set to be directed by Richard Donner, who you might see in the credits as being an executive producer on the film. Yeah. This script was actually originally modeled after Donner's recent hit, The Goonies. It's like a grown-up Goonie. It's like a Absolutely. Goonie for teenagers. It very much still sort of feels like the Goonies. It, like when you're watching it, like <laughs> it's very much like, and I think that's what makes it so enjoyable because it has this sort of like adventure vibe about mm. it. Like just so many different elements to like Sam and the Frog Brothers, and then like when they go and with Michael to go rescue Star, and they end up killing Marco. Like that whole sort of thing going oh, into shit, the, yeah. Yeah, going into the fucking cave and stuff or whatever, like that they're in the cave and finding just, them. Yeah, it feels so fucking Goonies, like just all and the know, fight at the great. end. It's yeah, yeah, really cool. <laughs> the like all great. these great practical effects and they're just Absolutely. flying around the house. <laughs> so the film was envisioned as more of a juvenile vampire film with thirteen to fourteen year old vampires, and the Frog uh, Brothers were actually meant to be chubby eight year old Cub Scouts. And the character of Star was going to be a young boy. And the characters' names, like I said, Peter Pan, they were all going to be sort of Peter Pan names. We still kept Michael, but you were going to have Michael. Come on, Michael. 
Sam was meant to be John and their mother was going to be Wendy. So you kind of see, and I think uh, David's character was going to be Peter. So that whole vibe was going to be there. I actually wouldn't have minded that if they kept that element to it, it would have been kind of a fun thing. Cause when you're watching it, it kind of feels like that anyway, mm. but you know, it's, it is what it is. You still have Nanook, the dog that's supposed to be a nod to Nana. Thankfully though, Richard Donner became enamored by a script from a young writer named Shing Black called Lethal Weapon. And he went off to make that instead, <laughs> opting for executive producer credit in, in its place. And also fun little fact, if, you know, if you listen to it last year when we were talking about uh, this film, The Lost Boys, I did mention that in Lethal Weapon, they go buy a movie theater and Lost Boys is on the readograph. So, hey, nice little thing. Uh, <laughs> so he goes off to make Lethal Weapon. They bring in Mary Lambert, who was known for directing music videos like Madonna's Like a Virgin, Material Girl, and Like a Prayer. Uh, but she soon fell out and Joel Schumacher was finally brought on board. When asked why he did the film, Schumacher simply stated, vampires are hot. They're the only erotic monsters. Frankenstein is not hot. <laughs> they are, man. Fucking live forever, never die. Yeah. But you, but you have to feed. Yeah. And there's something very erotic about that, like how how you go about it. Very, yeah. very interesting. I can see why Joel Schumacher jumped at this. Yeah, he was like, I'm not into the idea of, of Goonies go vampire. And mm. he insisted on retooling the script to raise the ages of the characters, make it sexier and more adult. And he did this by bringing on Jeffrey Bohm, who was known for like writing Inner Space. And later he would go on to do Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. And funny enough, he ended up doing Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, writing those <laughs> scripts. You were talking about you have to feed Phil. <gasps> Snack time! Snack time. Quarantine. Snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Lockdown. <laughs> Halloween edition. Spooky edition. Ooh. Ooh. Phil, what do you have this week? I'm Sorry. going for it. I got the devil outfit. I got the devil mm-hmm. tail. You know, yeah. we got whatever you think of that. It's stuck. Um, I'm going spooky ooky with the snack. I'm going vampire Ooh. with the snack. Ooh. I got some fizzy fangs. Ooh, oh, nice. shit, fizzy boy. Fizzy fangs, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, Do they look like fangs and you just put them in and they dissolve in your mouth? Yeah, check them out. Little... They got like blood on them and stuff. Oh, hey? that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. And they're, and they're <laughs> strawberry flavored, fizzy strawberry flavored gums. Oh, I'm going nice. to try. I don't really like sweets like this, but. Yeah. I'm going to try it anyway. They smell so strong. Um, <laughs> but, so this, I guess, is what it's supposed to look like. Wait. Let me take a screenshot of this. Oh, that's pretty good. It's good. How many vials of blood are you giving it? Vials of blood. Or how many crucifixes? <laughs> There's a lot of crucifixes going on here. How many crucifixes are you giving it? Maggots. Um, I'll give it... <laughs> Um, solid three. Solid three. Nice. Hmm. I think that's safe. Maggots, eh? I didn't know you like to eat maggots. <laughs> nah. Hey, Phil, would you like to try some? What uh, you got? Some lo mein. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! They're worms. Oh, oh. I've got uh, Haribo 
in honor of this film, Haribo Worm Worms. Haribo Worms, okay. Worms. Gummy worms. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, this is super long. Ooh. They really are. No false advertising here. I'm not have this. They're foreign. I don't know if they're sugar free, so I might crap myself later. <laughs> I mean it tastes like Star Mix, really, so <laughs> just a, a long worm form. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, let's say we'll give them a respectable three. Three and four. Crucifixes. <laughs> very middle of the road. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but they're very tasty, so they're fine. Mm. You know? There you go. Right. Not bad. <laughs> all right. Moving no. on. Schumacher said that he had one of the greatest casts of all time in this film. And <laughs> it's very true. Uh, Jason Patrick was approached pretty early on to play Michael, but he wasn't interested in doing a vampire film. Eventually Schumacher won him over by just, you know, just his vision. And trust me, you want to do this movie, man. You want to look <laughs> cool. <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland actually said that Patrick was really instrumental in adapting the script with Schumacher and helping mold the film. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, Schumacher originally envisioned Star as a waifish blonde, similar to Meg Ryan, but Jason Patrick actually got him to consider Jamie Gertz, who he had previously worked with in Solar Babies. Oh my God, very Solar hilarious Babies. Film. <laughs> so that's cool. I really like uh, Jamie Gertz a lot. It's like just things that she's been in, like fucking Twister and stuff, and um, Still Standing, and like she's <laughs> great. I like her a lot. Uh, the first choice for the mother was always going to be Diane Weist. She had just won an Oscar for her role in Hannah and her sisters. So naturally, she would do a fucking teen horror movie. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe this sort of opened her up to getting sort of typecast. She had said that she's sort of been typecast in this sort of nice mother role. But she's awesome in this. Like, she's yeah. so good. She, I love Diane Weist so much. She's just really fucking good. Like, she's great in Edward Scissorhands. She's great in Parenthood. And also, hey... Bill and Ted connection. She was in this film here with Alex Winter. And then Mm -hmm. in Parenthood, she's in that with Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted pretty early on in their careers, right around the same time Bill and Ted was kind of getting made. So, Hey, there you go. Uh, (laughs) We've already mentioned this a little bit, or you did. uh, It's the film that introduced the world to the two Corey's. It was (laughs) the first time Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were in a film together. And they would okay. go on to do like eight other films, including like License to Drive. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking Dream. of. Yeah, License yeah. to Drive is like the best one. That's the one. And then they would have their reality TV show called The Two Corys, which obviously showed a lot of the problems the pair was having having at the time, particularly like Corey Haim with uh, drug abuse and stuff. And Corey Haim, unfortunately, did pass away in 2010. It's hard to believe that that was... 10 years ago. I know. That's such a shame. I still can't, well, like, when I watch it, I still can't believe, like, he's gone. And, like, they, yeah. their story is so fucking sad and, like, not talked Absolutely. about enough. Like, I don't, like, we had all these other, like, um, like, revelations about people in Hollywood. And here were two kids that were, like, abused by the system for sure. And Corey Feldman had talked quite openly about it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. had been dismissed for a long time. I don't know why, because he makes weird music now. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. like, I don't understand, but, and like, they were so incredibly, like, talented when they were young, and like, you can mm-hmm. see it in this movie. Like, yeah. they have instant chemistry, like, 
together, but like apart from each other. Especially like Corey Haim, it's like really funny. Like, God damn it, like my brother, a blood, like a goddamn blood shit fucking vampire shit sucking vampire yeah, fucking yeah. vampire and you know <laughs> so fucking good. Corey Feldman who he's like you know kill your brother you'll feel better <laughs> you know like it's so great and like they yeah. went on to do such good thing yeah together like on and off camera and it yeah it makes me sad but like the last boy that you know you really get to see like two actors that like both in their prime really nice absolutely yeah, I mean, they were doing a lot of fun stuff before, before they teamed up properly. I mean, you had Corey Feldman, like, did the Goonies. He did uh, Stand By Me. I mean, Stand By Me. Gremlins. And then, you know, oh, he had yeah, a, great, a great early career. And then, you know, meeting Corey Haim, who had done things like Lucas and stuff. Like, Lucas is amazing. Mm. So, I mean, I, I really like uh, the two Corys. I've always liked them a lot growing up and stuff. And like you said, I think it is this, it's weird that more people don't talk about Corey Feldman or listen to Corey Feldman when he's talking about the issues that he came he came across in Hollywood and stuff because they seem to be more concerned with, like, how weird he acts sometimes or, like, how, yeah. like, his weird music or the way he's, like, just portrays himself. And he's had this mm, strange party. Yeah, his dress, the way he dresses, his party lifestyle. I mean, he had that sort of relationship with Michael Jackson that was always sort of, like, interesting as well. Like, one of those people, sort of like Macaulay Culkin, who went through mm. the, you know, the being a child star and stuff and somehow gravitated towards Michael Jackson, who himself was a child star and had no, you know, had no childhood really, but it's, and that always makes it a really like murky and stuff, but I don't think we should hold that sort of thing against someone like Corey Feldman. Anyway, Corey Feldman said that Schumacher told him to go rent Sylvester Stallone's first blood and, and Rambo first blood too. And he'd literally do a grab though. That's funny. And also Chuck Norris is missing in action to Hmm. model his character of Edgar frog off of. There's so many funny things in this film. We talked about the homoeroticism. I mean, Sam, the character Sam altogether, his like relationship with his brother is hilarious. I know at times there is a lot of that, like there's a lot of that like brother sort of vibe there, but then at the same time, it's yeah. just so fucking weird. Like it's just like, why are they so fucking touchy touchy? <laughs> like it's like really funny. They're very loving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and his uh the, the like the bath scene's hilarious listening to the frogman song um that's <laughs> so weird that's funny uh but but the 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 funniest thing is this fucking rob Lowe poster on his <laughs> don't even get me started yeah every time i see that i'm like seriously so what the fuck is up with that like uh, it it turned out like Joel Schumacher like directed St. Elmo's Fire like previous to this so you know, he starred Rob Lowe and it was sort of just an homage to him. But it's I, just love, so, I know it's he just clearly had like a little crush on Rob. Lowe. I yeah. love Joshua Marker, like all these yeah. cool little things. Like, like <laughs> it's no surprise that he'd go on to make a couple of Batman movies. Cause this, yeah, it's like there's a lot of comic book stuff in here. They work in the store and they like they keep referencing it. It's like, oh, it's like a comic book, like a comic book. I really enjoyed yeah. that. He, it's like already Josh Schumacher knows how to make a really good comic book movie. Yeah, absolutely. Before he's even, before he's even doing one. So Joel Schumacher had seen Keith or Sutherland and, uh, at close range and he was keen on getting him into this film, but Sutherland also was kind of reluctant to do this role until you heard that Schumacher had lined up in excess and Jimmy Barnes to sing some songs on the soundtrack. He said that he had previously spent a summer in Australia as a child and kind of became fans of their music. So he was just like, 
yeah, let's do this. Schumacher said Sutherland can do almost anything. He's born a character actor. You can see it in The Lost Boys, and he has the least amount of dialogue in the movie, but his presence That's is true. extraordinary. Yeah, and it's true. He has the least amount of dialogue from all the principal actors, which is pretty hard to believe. But, but I remember his stuff the most. Like, absolutely. you just have to keep up. <laughs> he makes the fucking movie. Like, yeah, for sure. All right. So he's got his vampire crew. We have a model named Billy Worth to play Dwayne, who gets killed death by stereo. <laughs> <laughs> we have Thrashen's Brooke McCarter, who unfortunately has passed away, who plays Paul, the blonde one. And then, of course, we got our boy Alex Winter as Marco right. with his crazy mullet. <laughs> still rocking, a, still fucking rocking the crop top. Yeah, it's just this like era Amazing. of Alex Winter. I yeah. don't know why. <laughs> I love it so much, though. This is pre Bill and Ted as well. Exactly, like his second film role. It's it's fucking great. I love I love him in this film because he just has that fucking smile going around like. <laughs> Just like really love um, being a vampire. Yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Yeah. Uh, and apparently Ben Stiller was nearly a lost boy. I'm not sure if he was joking mm. about this, but he claims that he was auditioning for the role at the time. And, you know, I he could have just been joking, but he was talking about how he was up against some of the best actors of his time and talking about the two Corys and you had, uh, you know, Kiefer there and Jason Patrick. So I don't know. He was it lines up age wise. Like he yeah. could have, he could have done it, but you know, interesting. I guess. Right, so, yeah. and of course, rounding out the cast, we have like head vampire max played by Edward Herman, who mm. is great in the film. It, it makes it even funnier and cheesier when it's revealed that he, he's, the head I always vampire. forget. I always forget that he's the head vampire. Yeah. It's so cleverly done. It, like, it, the way it they really do it. Is. They they like make you think, oh, the the boys think he's the head vampire and stuff. And then like when they try to test it out and stuff, like by giving him garlic and all that sort of shit, throwing holy water on him, it, like nothing seems to work. But it, it turns out they screwed up because, you know, uh Jason they invited him in. had let him in. So Yeah. Yeah. I love that sort of lore. We'll get into that in a second. And also we have Bernard Hughes as the grandpa, who is hilarious and gets some of the best lines in the film. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it him who said that great line? He's like, oh, fucking, you know, the one thing I could never stand about Santa Carla with all yeah. the damn vampires. All the damn vampires. <laughs> yeah. That's it. To close out the film as well. I love name. that line. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just normal for him. He could have fucking saved them all the trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the film has some amazing music like we've already said Thomas Newman wrote the original score it's got this sort of eerie blend of orchestra and organ arrangements and stuff that sort of has this very vampire-esque sort of like classic vampire thing and then of course the film is notable for its use of rock music on the soundtrack that's absolutely amazing we have Echo and the Bunnymen's cover of The Doors People Are Strange Good Times by NXS and Jimmy Barnes which is the the, the song they got on there that allowed Keith or Sutherland gave him the urge to do the role. Thank God. Mm. All right. Tim Capello, AKA sexy sax man. I still believe <laughs> <laughs> this guy is so fucking funny. Like one of the best things about this film. That's what I mean. Like this film is so stupid. This is so dumb. If this was like in almost any other film, it would be like what the fuck but because it's in this film you have all the sexy totally vampires like- Joe Schumacher's like cool style and yeah. like it's so weird 
this greased up sexy sax player on the <laughs> apparently he's a legit like sax player as well he like uh trained at new, new england conservatory of music and he performs with like <laughs> peter gabriel carly simon and tina turner who he like apparently toured with for like 10 to 12 years or something like that but i can't God. like i can't look at him without thinking that he just like looks like triple h like, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you've already mentioned "Cry Little Sister." Oh my God! Cry Jared Little McMahon. Sister, thou shalt not watch. <laughs> and so it was that amazing shot that's just going through the cloud. Yeah, like dude. POV of them flying around like that. Yeah. Holy There's, shit! It used, like, it's used so much. The cinematography is so fucking cool in this movie. Um, like all those shots and like how it opens with that song is just it sets the scene so fucking well it's like you know what you're getting into it's so good uh, Schumacher like got a lot of these bands on the soundtrack by promising to do music videos for them <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was pretty cool I'll do it don't worry I mean that's how you get a hit with kids like I feel like that's a lost era of things yeah. but like you know, my brother always talked about it. Like, I watched this movie just because I knew I, I knew the soundtrack. Yeah. You know, and I bought the soundtrack just because I saw the movie. And I like, oh, I watched that song in the credits. I needed it. I bought the soundtrack. And, like, that's how you get it. Like, you don't get Absolutely. that anymore where you're, like, kids will gravitate to movies that have, that feature stuff they listen to. Now it's like a, uh, like a pandering thing. Well, like, this is two for two on Schumacher films that we're talking about where we're talking about has a sick ass soundtrack and yeah. then they don't do it like that anymore yeah. yeah I mean you see it here I mean I'm recording these you know over on patreon.com for slash the PCC podcast we're doing that uh, Fast and Furious series and me and Ariane are just kind of getting like a little more and more annoyed that like the soundtrack doesn't hit as hard as they used to back in the first three films <laughs> like so it could just be even yeah. like the, could the movie everything else in those movies get better but, yeah like, Music is so important. Maybe just Josh Schumacher had an excellent taste in fucking yeah. music. Yeah. <laughs> really took, it, what he took it for granted. Yeah. Well, the Lost Boys is set in the fictional town of Santa Carla, California, but it was actually filmed in Santa Cruz. And my God, this, like, the very first time I went to Brighton, I, like, felt like Got I was Lost, Lost Boys vibes. It's so cool. Yeah. Like, it just it has that, like, hippie vibe, the weird sort of party vibe. The fun fair family vibe, the sea, like it's, I don't know, really cool, man. Uh, in the film, Santa Carla is called the murder capital of the world. And you could see it written on the back of that billboard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's brought up a bit, like Mike, uh, Michael and Sam asked their grandpa about it. And which is Santa Cruz, unfortunately, was dubbed as the murder capital of the world in real life after mass murderer John Lin- uh, Lindley Frazier. And serial killers Herbert Mullen and Edmund Kemper each used the area as hunting grounds between 1970 and 1973. So, oh, needless to say, Santa Cruz wasn't too pleased with this uh, moniker in the film <laughs> that was clearly shot in Santa Bad Cruz. Taste. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, there's awesome cine- cinematography in the film. You have Michael Chapman as the director of photography. He's known for doing like Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Last Waltz with uh, Scorsese. And mm-hmm. it was seen as like sort of a surprise for him to do this because it was like a return to the DOP role because he had previously had like moved on to directing and he did all the right moves with Tom Cruise. And then he did oh, the command. Yeah. 
he did the clan of the cave bear with Daryl Hannah and that just bombed. So I think this was sort of like, that all right. sound like it bombed yeah. <laughs> just from the fucking title. It sounds like something we're talking about later. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So he moved on, went back to DP and came back to this and it looks cool, man. I love those shots where it's like just going through the sky and stuff like over the clouds and those shots where it's just going like, over the sea and just like uh, them flying out of the caves, like all those, like you don't ever see them flying, but you just see like, you don't need to, you just, you just, yeah, you don't need to, you just like the camera moves for you. And it's so sick, man. It's really, it's like those old, you know, Superman shows where they wouldn't, um, they couldn't, they didn't know how to make it fly. No, he would like, you know, just bounce off a trampoline out frame or he would come (laughs) bursting through a wall or he'd like, I think George Reeves used to do a thing where there'd be a pole just off camera and he'd grab onto the pole and swing and land into yeah. the set. So it looked like he just landed from flying. And you fill yeah. in the rest. Later on, they, they got some like green screening and stuff. Um, but that you fill in the rest with your imagination. You just need that little bit. Well, makeup was done by uh, V. Nil with Greg Canham creating the vampire prosthetics. There was apparently a lot of back and forth about what they wanted the vampires to look like with Joel Schumacher because he had like a sleek and simple design in mind and they had some pretty like ridiculous sort of like cool things that they had planned and he was like just go Mm. simple but Canem did say that Schumacher was actually pretty awesome to work with in the end and he was actually used as the model for Max when Max is revealed as the head vampire Uh, really yeah because Schumacher was looking at the dailies uh, with scenes of Ed Herman and he said, am I crazy or does Ed look like me? So if you look closely, you can actually see Joel Schumacher's face in that scene. So that's pretty cool. And next time I watch that's it, funny. I want to see if it kind of looks more like Joel Schumacher. He does look pretty yeah, no, funny. So <laughs> uh, the film is notable for only taking three weeks to film, apparently, which is fucking crazy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Three if weeks. the thing we're talking about later took double that time. Really? <laughs> really? Jesus. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like less than half the quality of last night. <laughs> yeah. But according to director Joel Schumacher, the scene where Dwayne Billy Worth, which I've already said, like we'll mention a little bit, is electrocuted by the <laughs> stereo after being shot by the arrow from Sam. Uh, it took two weeks to film. Really? The entire shoot only took three weeks, but Dwayne's death scene, you know, know, took took two weeks to film, and it only lasts thirty seconds on screen. <laughs> you miss sucker once, pal. Badass. Death by Stereo, brother. <laughs> yeah. Band name, Death by Stereo. Yeah, I mean, that really was a band na- a band's name. <laughs> oh, was <laughs> it really? Band. Yeah, there was a like sort of punk band called Death by Stereo, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm just being stupid then. 
Kiefer Sutherland's tear when he gets burned by the sunlight was apparently real and caused by irritation from his contact lens. <laughs> but they kept it in because it just looked really good and it was in context. Love it. Love it. It adds so much. <laughs> that is so fucking funny. Like, it's so fucking good. Ah. And some other things that uh, Schumacher was doing, he was like, they added glitter to the blood to make it like, to get it that sort of shimmering effect. And uh, it was like slimier than other fake blood. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Atlantis Fantasy World comic book store, which is featured in the film. It's owned by Joe Ferreira, the second, who actually might be seen in the film. I'm not really sure. I can't verify that. And he still carries the original number one issue of Vampires Everywhere that Sam is given in the film and he's reading. And that comic was created only for the film. And it's open in page is signed by all the cast members. And apparently this is just a really nice story. He like allows any of the shoppers who want to hold it to come in and take a photo with it free of charge. It's pretty sweet. That's so cool. That makes me want to go. Is that in Santa Cruz? I think it's still in Santa Cruz, but it's not at the same spot as it was in the film. Like they, I think Mm -hmm. since moved it, but it still exists apparently. That's a nice story. I like that. The Lost Boys was released in July 1987, earning $5.2 million in its opening weekend, giving uh, going on to gross $32.2 million against an $8.5 million budget. So didn't do not too bad. bad. Not too shabby. <laughs> and mm. it received mostly positive uh, reviews from critics and audiences. And I guess it sort of like was never God like a right. huge, amazing, amazing, crazy you know, blockbuster success, but it did, you know, pretty well. And it's become mm. a cult favorite over the years. Oh, for sure. And it would spawn two sequels that were direct to video much, much later called Lost Boys, The Tribe in 2008 and Lost Boys, The Thirst in 2010. Yeah. Have you seen them? I wanted, no, I want to talk to you if you'd seen them. No. I remember them coming out and I was like bad. pretty excited about it. Like I remember they were going direct to I think I saw them on DVD at Walmart and I was like, I kind of want to see this, but I never did. So I still haven't mm. seen them. I need to, to watch them sometime. Yeah. Patreon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let us know. I think, I think I, I, I'm, I'm, am I wrong? I think the frog brothers come back for them. They do. One yeah. Of them, but but yeah, that's Corey, the only real connection. From what I can see, Corey Feldman is definitely in the first one. And then I think both of them, Jameson Newlander came back for the second one. So both of them are in the second one. And they're sort of standalone okay. films, uh, from what I yeah. can tell. And obviously, The Lost Boys is hugely influential in vampire culture, shifting the genre and uh, you know in films and TV to be more sexy and young, influencing films like <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Come On, Vampire Lifestyles and Wrestling, Gangrel, <gasps> Edge and Christian brood. as the yeah. Brood. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, one of the great theme songs ever. All right, Phil, rounding up this episode, we're almost done here, but I want to know, Phil, top five favorite vampire movies, and (laughs) is The Lost Boy number one? The Lost Boy is number one. (laughs) I I don't, you know, um, yeah, I I don't really get into like vampire, the lore as much as of the other one i don't know why like and just oh it's honestly i like only a handful of things have made like vampire cool to me lost boy is definitely one of them um i'll go through my list uh i'm partial to uh 
Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. Mm, yeah. Even Fair with enough. um even with uh you know I mean no, not what I'm talking about, the excellent British accent that Keanu Reeves is talking. But you know, I think it had like a genuine like the most earnest adaptation I've seen of the book which I read in school. Yeah. And it's like you know, the story of essentially eternal love and loss and grief and it's really like it's one that's called like modern epics that don't really exist anymore. And fucking Tom Waiter in it. Like yeah. like a, just a, a guy <laughs> in a mini bin. Um here we go. Uh what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Again, just like a really funny take on the whole thing. And that you knew all the rules and the law to like really great effect. Like they can't go into a club because nobody invites them in. (laughs) You get to see someone becoming a vampire, learning all the rules. Like you get to see the actual like day to day effect of being like, uh, of like a creature of the night, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, from duck till dawn. Ooh, good shot. I'm going, yeah, I'm going left, I guess the left horror route and just vampire movies like from Dark Till Dawn it's like a gangster movie that turned into a vampire movie about halfway through but really so awesome fucking thick yeah <laughs> it's so good and, and it's still scary and it's just it's, it's amazing just a huge fight in like a Mexican bar it's just like yeah it's great great like practical effects um it's just great watch it um if it, it's kind of a cheat um and the last I don't know could one I both I wrote like two because I couldn't think of another one and these both of these I haven't seen in ages I remember both being good uh, I'll say the Blade movie the Blade movies right? yeah fair enough Blade 2 yeah, we're showing, showing Blade 2 and stuff. Blade 2 on Friday the 30th there's still tickets left and it just got upgraded to 35 million just so you know ooh, 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 ooh. yeah Blade 2 is actually meant to be the better than the first one so Hey. I think it is because it's Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Weird. Cool one. Yeah, and then The Lost Boys is your number one then. For sure. And the other, nice. not any particular order, but Lost Boys oh, okay, is yeah. far and away my favorite vampire movie. Nice. Well, my top five for favorite vampire films. At number five, I got to give love to Fright Night, but there's a lot of films oh. that have uh, ripoffs. You know, it happens a lot in horror, particularly. Um cool. And that doesn't mean that Fright Night is my favorite at number five. My favorite number five is My Best Friend's a Vampire, or sometimes it is known as I Was a Teenage Vampire. It stars Robert Sean Leonard before he did uh, Dead Poet Society. And it's absolutely amazing. It has like this sort of Fright Night vibe to it, but it's a lot more cheesy, a lot more... Uh, leaning more into the homoerotic sort of vibes that Fright Night sort of sort of tries to you know tries to do but this this just goes a li- yeah this goes a little bit Go further it's, it's really fun <laughs> I absolutely love it uh, if you've not seen it go out of your way to check it out it's so stupid it's really silly I love it but Fright Night's awesome as well so it's it's kind of like number six number four Interview with a Vampire Whoa. Oh shit! I forgot about <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. All right. Peter's favorite movie. <laughs> that's a, no, yeah. legit. That's a fucking great movie. Yeah. Again, that's one of those I've I've completely forgot. Like I, yeah, I, I remember loving it, but like it's been so long. I don't think I could really 
advocate for it now. I'm I'm assuming yeah. holding up. The the thing is, interview with the vampire is like it's stupidly cheesy, and but it's just something that kind of works about it. I think it's just because vampires are just like funny, like they're just they're funny creatures that are very like sexual and Ooh. hilarious, and yeah, this yeah. is all all around. So it kind of like works to have someone like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise be in the film. <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> And then a very young, like, Kirsten Dunst as well. Yeah. So They're like, yeah, very, fun. <laughs> <laughs> very fun. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> and, of course, number three, What We Do in the Shadows. Absolutely nice. love that film. Uh, I struggle sometimes because I want to put it number one because it's great. I just finally remember seeing it for the very first time at the Prince Charles Cinema. Working there, didn't really know what I was going to expect walking into it. And as an usher... And I remember laughing so hard I had to like calm myself down because I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be working. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> like they, and they, like you said, cleverly do all the sort of, you know, tropes of vampire films, but also like the, you know, examining the rules of vampirism, which is like something I really like about vampire movies in general because you have mm. to have rules to it. And, they do it really clever in what we do in the shadows and even kind of poke fun at other vampire films that exist in their lore, which is great. Like the Lost Boys where Deacon's yeah. sort of like laughing about like the the spaghetti he gives like his spaghetti, you know, yeah. he's like, oh, Nick, how does it feel to be eaten worms? <laughs> he just like freaks out. And then he's like, so I, I stole that from Lost Boys, but I took it a little further. Nick. How's it feel to have a snake for a penis? <laughs> 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 so fucking good. He's so funny. Well, I am glad to hear that I am cool. <laughs> uh, number two. Sorry, number one is not going to be The Lost Boys. Uh, number okay. two is actually The Lost Boys. Because number one. Okay, I'm glad it made the list. <laughs> yeah. Number one, my favorite vampire film uh, is Let the Right One In. The original. I've not seen it. It's nice. so good. Not let me in, which I didn't really like. I tried to like it. I just didn't. I didn't like it. But let the right one in. It's so good. Scandinavian horror. It's from the last 10 years or so. Mm. Fucking brilliant. Go out of your way to see it. It's so good. It really hits all those sort of like rules of vampires and stuff. Like the whole like being invited in and having to feed and all that sort of stuff. It's oh, so good. Beautiful. I feel like that would make the list if I've seen it. Could the way pe- most people, yeah, I've talked about it, and you've talked to me about it before. It's on my list for this year, but I want to watch one that I haven't seen this year. Yeah. Definitely going to check that out. Um, awesome. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised you didn't throw like Vampire Kiss up there, or something like that. I like Vampire's Kiss a lot, but I haven't seen it in so long that I feel like I need to like exactly. I need to watch it again in order to like throw it in. But like, you I, know- like I wanted to throw. Um, have you ever seen Shadow of the Vampire? Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to throw that up there. I I remember that being good, but again, I don't actually remember it that well. It's more like the premise I like. It's like Mm -hmm. for people who haven't seen it, essentially uh, the making of Nosferatu, the first Dracula movie with Willem Dafoe. With John Malkovich. But the the premise is that the guy they've cast in Nosferatu is legit. Yeah. The real vampire. <laughs> it's like a it's like West Craven's new nightmare almost. Um yeah, yeah, really yeah. interesting take on it. Um yeah, dude. It's that's a great film. I need to like but that's the thing, like I, I don't I don't want to throw in something that I like haven't seen in so long that I barely remember exactly. it. So I'm trying to keep it <laughs> sort of fresh. 
But yeah, listeners out there, let us know. We're wrapping up here. Let us know what your top five favorite vampire films are. And is The Lost Boys even in your list? Do you have other things? Do you like Twilight? If then, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I forgot about Twilight. Um, <laughs> if The Lost Boys is not on your list, I'm just going to discount it. <laughs> your list is not even going to read it. Yeah, yeah not void. What the fuck? Yeah. What are you even talking about? Yeah. So let us know at the PCC podcast on Twitter or Instagram, or you can uh, pop us an email at podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Once again, the Lost Boys screens daily from 35 millimeter. This is news. Oh, just got an email today to say a 35 millimeter print <laughs> is available for the Lost Boys. So it's been upgraded to 35 millimeter. And if I remember correctly, it looks fucking great. So come out from this Friday, the 30th of October until Wednesday, the 4th of November. Tickets are on sale at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. But act fast as some of the performances are already sold out. And remember, we have limited seating because of social distancing. So tickets are going to go a lot quicker than normal. So get your tickets, PrinceCharlesCinema.com. That's it. That's us wrapping up. Phil, what are you up to this week? Where can people find Working. 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 Yeah, I'm just uh, working. I'm I'm a busy boy. I don't have... um, I'm getting locked of shift. I'm working like, you know, four days a week. Isn't that crazy? And, you know, my other, my only three days, I'm watching, you know, awful movies for Patreon. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm going to be watching, you know, you know, I'm going to try my best to be celebrating Halloween at home. Nice. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe um, whip this little outfit out at work as well. Sounds good. Until then, though, people can find me at FarawaySad on Twitter and in real life. Um, where can people find you? Well, <laughs> I'm you just like poking me. the pitchfork <laughs> at the camera. <laughs> you can find me at Tall for All, T-A-L-L, the number four A-L-L on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as always. Uh, yeah, and I will be kind of doing the same thing as you are, trying to enjoy Halloween, trying to watch some spooky stuff if I can get the time. Uh, editing uh, podcast episode because hey we got a few <laughs> bonus episodes over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast if you want to support the podcast $5 or more a month gets you bonus episodes uh, we've got quite a few coming out this month uh, I'm trying to finish up a Fast and the Furious Fast 5 episode then we also have an Ewok special that's coming up very very soon as well probably like within days of each other and then at the end of the month, Ariana and I are trying to get one more bonus little episode. So that's, hey, four episodes this month. Holy cow. Yeah, so patreon.com forward slash PCC podcast. If you want extra stuff, help us out. It's not free, really, to do this. I mean, it is, sort of, but at the same time, it takes up our time. And, uh, yeah, help us out. Anyway, uh, yeah, as always, hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter or Instagram or send us an email podcast at princehallcinema.com. And uh, I don't know. Join the club. The initiation's <laughs> yeah. over. Have a good Happy Halloween. Halloween. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> What's the nightmare <laughs> line? Don't uh, fall asleep. Never sleep again. Never sleep again. Yeah. Never sleep. Okay. Never sleep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start this. <laughs>